Good morning. Thank you for the opportunity to be back with you again. I'm always uh, excited to be back at First Baptist and grateful for Lyndall inviting me. And I'm always encouraging pastors to take time off and to to sort of refresh and restore themselves. And and I'm, I'm grateful when they invite for me, me to fill in for them. And so, so it's good to be with you again. If you've been a, a parent or a grandparent in the last generation, you've probably encountered a, a group of videos. They're called Veggie Tales. And uh, Veggie Tales are these cartoon videos that are intended to teach uh, uh, moral and biblical values to children. And there's a particular video that I remember uh, from when our kids were growing up about a, a character by the name of Madame Blueberry. And Madame Blueberry begins the, the story by singing a song about the fact that she is blue. And not blue in the color, but the fact that she's very discouraged and disappointed and depressed. And she sings, I'm so blue, I don't know what to do. And she is blue because she doesn't have enough stuff. She's just unhappy with the, the possessions that she has. They aren't good enough. There aren't enough of them. Surely there is something better or nicer or shinier out there. And so she's just very discouraged. And there's a knock on her door, and there is an asparagus that has come to see Madame Blueberry. And he tells her about this wonderful place called the Stuff Mart. And he sings her a song along with some friends, in which he tells her about all of the wonderful stuff that is at the Stuff Mart and everything that she could get that would, would make her feel better, make her feel fulfilled, and, and, and fulfill all the dreams that she has. And she's very excited about it. So she begins to make her way to the Stuff Mart. And along the way, she comes across a small family, and they are celebrating a birthday. And there is a, a, a tiny carrot named Lucy whose birthday they are celebrating. She has in front of her a piece of pie with a candle in it. And Lucy begins to sing a song. And she sings a song of gratitude, of thankfulness. And she talks about how thankful she is for her family and for the, the place that she has to live, all that God has done for her. Even she's thankful for her piece of apple pie. And she says in the song, a thankful heart is a happy heart. I'm glad for what I have. It's such an easy place to start. Well, I want to talk, talk about thankfulness today, and I want to think about where you start with thankfulness, how easy it can be to start with what we have, but then also where that thankfulness ought to take us. I'd like to read from Matthew chapter 20. If you have a Bible and you want to follow along, We'll read a story that, that Jesus tells in this chapter. We're going to read verses 1 through 16. It's one of those stories that begins by when Jesus says, For the kingdom of heaven is like this. And uh, you know that there are several parables like that. And, and perhaps you know this, but I always feel like I should, should put a frame around these stories with a big warning label on them that says that, that you need to be careful because when Jesus tells a story like this, and he says the kingdom of heaven is like this, then if you're serious about the New Testament and you're serious about studying it, then what you're about to read is going to mess you up. It's going to mess up the way that you look at the world and some of the things that you think are important or of value. Jesus is likely going to turn some of that 
upside down because he's describing the kingdom that we are invited to live in. And I want to be sure that all of us are on the same page. And so I'll give you a definition that I like to work with when I'm talking about the kingdom. The kingdom, as I see it, and I don't get this, I didn't make this up, I got this from someone else, but the kingdom is everywhere that King Jesus gets his way. Now, that's a simplified definition. It's not perfect. There have been volumes written about the kingdom of God. But, but I like to work with the definition that the kingdom is wherever Jesus gets his way. And so what Jesus is inviting us to consider is, as he invites us into a kingdom lifestyle, it's a lifestyle that is characterized by the fact that Jesus gets his way. And if we will will honor the fact that he is the king, and we're not, then we enter into a lifestyle that leads us on an eternal path because it's something better for us than what we can make for ourselves. And so Jesus says in in chapter 20 of Matthew, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the workers on one denarius, he sent them into his vineyard for the day. When he went out about nine in the morning, he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He said to them, you also go into my vineyard and I'll give you whatever is right. So off they went. About noon and about three, he went out again and did the same thing. Then about five, he went out and found others standing around and said to them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one hired us, they said to him. You also go into my vineyard, he told them. When evening came, the owner called the vi- called, excuse me, the owner of the vineyard, told his foreman, call the workers and give them their pay, starting with the last and ending with the first. When those who were hired five came, they received narratives. So when the first ones came, they assumed that they would get more but they also received a denarius each. When they received it, they began to complain to the landowner. These last men put in one hour, and you made them equal to us who bore the burden of the day's work and the burning heat. He replied to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Didn't you agree with me on one denarius? Take what's yours and go. I want to give this last man the same as I gave you, Don't I have the right to do what I want with what is mine? Are you jealous because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first last. So Jesus has a story about a man that owns a vineyard, and he says the kingdom of heaven is like this. So we're looking for what the kingdom of heaven is like. This is a clue to what it means to live under the reign of Jesus. And if we live this way, then we're, inviting into, we're being invited into a lifestyle that is the kind of people that, that Jesus intends to create through discipleship and through, through salvation and discipleship and spiritual growth. Now, what has happened before this story is, is very important. We have the story that we commonly refer to as the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus. He, he asks Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Through the course of the story, Jesus discerns that there's something that, that is a hindrance to this young man. And so Jesus says to him, 
if you want to, to follow me, then what you need to go is you need to go and need to do is you need to go and sell all of your possessions, give the money to the poor, and then come and follow me. And the scripture says that the, the young man walked away disappointed because he just couldn't do that. He was willing to keep some of the commandments, but he wasn't willing to give up everything to follow Jesus. And so it prompts Jesus to say to his disciples that it's difficult, if not impossible, for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, the disciples, it says, were astonished at that, utterly astonished at that statement. And they asked him, well, who can be saved? So Jesus goes on and, and talks to them a little bit longer. And, and he ends the, the, the chapter there, Matthew ends his chapter, with that statement, but many who are first will be last and the last first. So then Jesus goes into this story as a result of, of that occurrence, of the, the encounter with the rich young ruler, his comments to the disciples, their, their inability to really understand what he was talking about. And so he uses this story to say to them, this is the kind of life that I'm inviting you into. This is what the kingdom is like. So he begins by talking about this vineyard owner that, that goes into the marketplace one morning early in the day, and he is looking for day laborers. And there are all these folks there, and he, he, he takes them, and he makes a bargain with them. I will give you a day's wage for a, day work, for a day's work. And uh, denarius at that time was a, a fair wage for a day of work. They agreed, and so he sends them out into his field to work. And then he goes back at, at 9 o'clock. He sees some others that are looking for work. And then at 12 and at 3, and he says to these individuals when he finds them, you go work in my field and I will pay you what is right. It's not defined how much money that is. And so we find out later that the vineyard owner gets to decide what is right. Okay, he, he, will, he will decide that. But these individuals are happy for whatever they can get. Nobody else is hiring them. So, so they go out into the field. They, they don't know what they're going to be paid, but they, they know that, that they'll get something. So they go out and they work. And then at 5 o'clock... The vineyard owner goes out again. He finds some, some people who still don't have work. He says, well, you go out there and work. He doesn't promise them anything, really. But again, I suppose they're just thankful for whatever they can get. And so 6 o'clock comes. It's time to finish. And uh, he begins to pay everyone. And he starts with those who came at 5 o'clock. And, of course, he gives them what is a fair day's wage for working for one hour. And then he does the same thing for those at 3, those at 12, and those at 9. So the, the, the individuals who started at 6, they're starting to think, oh, we're going to get a bonus. This is going to be better than we thought. And they get up to the, the pay station, and they find out that they are receiving what they were promised, one denarius. And they're very upset. And in verse 12, they say to the, the landowner, their complaint is that all these others that worked less than we did and didn't bear the heat of the day, they didn't do as much work as we did, said, you made them equal to us. That's their complaint. They felt like something is not fair in this scenario. They, are, they are, have more value 
than the other workers because they put in a full day and you made them equal to us. And the landowner says, hey, I gave you what I promised. Who are you to tell me what I'm going to do with with what is mine? And then he says, are you jealous because I'm a generous person? Is that the problem? The answer is yes. They're jealous over his generosity. But what does this teach us about the kingdom? And, And what should it What should it teach us about thankfulness and what it should do in our lives? Well, one of the things that I think is important to recognize in this story is that God's economy is different from our economy. Let's face it, from our perspective, the way that we function and the way that we operate, I would have to, on a daily basis, agree with the individuals that are unhappy with the landowner. I would have to agree. If I didn't know this was a parable of Jesus, I would say, yeah, that's not fair because that's the way we look at fairness. You know, we get paid by the hour, and if I work more hours than somebody else works, then I expect more pay. That's the way our economy works. We get value for the amount of work that we put in. And in in fact, in this kind of system that, that Jesus is talking about, it really disincentivizes hard work, doesn't it? Because someone could say, hey, you know, this guy over here, he pays well, even if you only work for an hour. So let's don't get up early in the morning and go look for work. Let's wait until later in the day. He'll come hire you, and he'll give you the same amount of money. And so people could be actually incentivized to work less and not as hard if they knew they were going to get the same pay. And so that's the way we think, isn't it? That's the way we're trained to think about these things. It doesn't make financial sense. What business owner can afford to do that? We can't. We would, we would go out of business if we, if we operated that way. That just doesn't, it's not the way our economy works. So it's difficult to understand. And I, I think that I would normally side with the people who are upset with the landowner. But what Jesus is teaching us is not really It's not really about an economic system. This isn't about socialism or capitalism or anything like that. This is about how the kingdom works. This is how God functions with individual people. He's saying to us that that the the kingdom economy, the the way that God thinks about these things, is different from the way that we think about these things. And when you're when you're thinking about the kingdom, you might as well strap yourself in because it's going to turn a lot of what you think upside down and the way that you feel like the world works because when we're invited into the way of Jesus, then God functions differently. He thinks differently. And the difference here is the difference between what we call a scarcity mind t- mindset and an abundance mindset. You know, we... We function in a world where there is a, a limited amount of resources. And so we look at it from that, that standpoint of how things are, are limited. There, there's a limited amount of money in business, and so a business owner has to calculate how much he or she can pay for, for a day's work. And they, they calculate on those things because we, we always are operating on a limited basis. And then we, we function that way in, in our daily lives. We, we look at things sometimes from the point of scarcity. We, we think that we're taught to think that we don't have enough or we don't have enough of the right things or, or we need more things or we need new things. 
And we're constantly challenged with the fact that, that we're not enough. We're not pretty enough. We're not slim enough. We're not hip enough. We're not colorful enough. We don't have the right stuff. We're, we receive those messages all the time, and we always need more. That, that's just the way that the world works. But that's not the way the kingdom works. You see, the, these individuals in Jesus' story, they're looking at it from the standpoint of scarcity as well. They're thinking, hey, you know, there's only so much stuff, and, and so if I do more, then I ought to get more. That's just the way that works. And Jesus says, no, it's not the way the kingdom works. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who has more than enough, and he is willing to be generous with what he has. And Jesus tells these kind of stories all the time. You know, what kind of landowner can afford to do that? Well, it's a landowner who doesn't have to worry about money. Or Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a man that goes out and he's He's sowing seed, and he's throwing seed everywhere, and some of it lands on rocky soil, and some of it lands on the road, and then some of it lands on good soil. And I think to myself, who does that? I mean, who just throws seed everywhere? Well, it's somebody who has an unlimited supply of seed and never has to worry about it running out. And Jesus is trying to help his disciples Understand, if you, if you want to, to work in the kingdom of economy, you've got to first of all understand that God has more than enough of everything. He has enough grace. He has enough love. He has enough goodness. He has enough peace, enough patience, enough kindness. All the things that he wants to grow in our lives, he has more than enough. You know, when we sing about God's faithfulness, he has more than enough of that. When we think about his blessing, he has a more than enough of that. God has enough. So the first thing we have to do is we have to stop and we have to have gratitude for what he's done for us. And what is missing in this story from, from the first workers that, that come out of the field, the ones that showed up at 6 o'clock, What's missing is any gratitude for what they receive. They're just upset that they didn't get more, or not that they didn't get more, but that others didn't get less, because they're, they're constantly comparing themselves to, to other people, which is what we're taught to do, right? We're constantly taught to compare ourselves to others, and, and Jesus says, no, that, that's not the point. The point is they have no gratitude for what they've received. Remember, a thankful heart is a happy heart. If we're glad for what we have, what we've got, then that's a, an easy place to start with what we have. And so there's no sense of the fact that they were able to have a job, the fact that they earned a day's wage, the fact that the landowner took good care of them, the fact that he is a generous person. How lucky are they to be working for a, a generous person? There's none of that. There's no thank you very much for giving us a job for the day. Thank you for, for letting us be, be part of, of your operation. You know, I hope that you'll ask us to come back again. This is a great place to work. None of that. There's no, no gratitude. You could say that they are, are discontented individuals. 
I think that Jesus is, is, is saying to us that the way the kingdom works is you start with being content with what God has done for you. And if you'll start with that contentment, then you can really be on the road to something valuable for the kingdom. So be, be grateful for what God has done and be content with what God has done. And, and I think Jesus, through speaking through the landowner, is, is saying that, that those who are unhappy need to be content with what they have. This is what I promised you. I gave you what I promised. Can't you be happy with that? The rich young ruler, he was not content. He had all the money that he could ask for, but he, he had something that was missing. And so he, he wanted to find a way to, to fill that emptiness inside of himself. And Jesus said, this is the way you can find it. But he couldn't be content with that. So he walked away. And, he, and Jesus is trying to help his disciples. and He's trying to help us understand that we have to start with contentment. And recognizing that we can be, be happy we can be settled in what God has done for us and experience joy and gratefulness for that. We sang about it today beautifully, about what, what Jesus has done for us on the cross and the hope that he gives to us. And we need to be content in that hope. Hope does not disappoint us, the scripture says. And so we have to be content in that hope not feel like we have to struggle for something more. And so the kingdom, Jesus says, is, is really like someone who can find contentment in their relationship with God, in the, the work that, and the blessing that he's done for them, and to, to begin at that point where we have gratitude for what God has done. And the temptation for us is, to always think that we need something more. And so what we do when we need something more is, is we measure ourselves against other people. We do that in the church. Do we have the right theology? Do we have the right understanding of things? Do, do we have you know, the right practices? You know, do we do it better than someone else? We do it in our neighborhood. We do it in our lifestyle. You know, do, we, do we have something more? Do we, how do we compare to other people? And Jesus says, no, there's no comparison in the kingdom. Just contentment with what God has done. And once you reach that level of contentment, then what we're being invited into is to become more like the landowner. That's the thing that the workers miss. Is that the invitation in this story is, for, for those who, who worked all day long, who think that they're missing something, they're really being invited into something that is bigger than themselves. They are missing the lesson that the landowner is teaching them about generosity. And they can become just as generous as the landowner is. They can become the kind of people who are willing to give away something that they have because they have abundance and they can become like that. Because you see, in the kingdom, we begin with contentment and gratitude 
But what it produces in us is a generous lifestyle. And the real problem that Jesus had with the rich young ruler was he couldn't come to grips with the generosity that was required in order to be a real follower of Jesus. And Jesus was saying to his disciples, it's really hard when you, when you have a lot of the world's possessions, it's really difficult to come up with that kind of generous spirit that is required in order to be a kingdom kind of person. Real transformation has to take place. Real change has to take place. And he says to them, you know, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to come into the kingdom of God. You know, it's, it's possible for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. You won't look much like a camel anymore once you do it, but it's possible, I suppose, that it could be done. And that's the kind of transformation that has to take place in our lives is that when, when Jesus gets hold of us, he's going to do work on us, and he's going to change us, and if we are resistant to what he wants to produce, then we aren't really walking the way of the kingdom. And, and Jesus is saying that the way of the kingdom is is thankfulness that, is, that then produces this generosity that the landowner has. It is a, a generous spirit. And, and what, he's, what he's working against is all of this idea that we have sometimes that we want to make a bargain with God. If we do something for God, then he will do something for us. A number of years ago, I was, I was teaching a Sunday school class, and I, I can't remember what the discussion was about, or what the class was about, or anything like that. But I remember that after the class was over with, there was a a woman that came up to me, and she said, I suppose that you would not agree with my idea of of stored-up blessings. And I said, well, I'm I'm not really sure what you're talking about. Tell me more. And and she explained to me that she had this concept where if she would would do things for God, then God would, would give her blessings And she believed that if she did enough of those things, she could store up that blessing. And and so that blessing could be used for her and for her husband and for her son. So I thought about that for a minute. It sounded a lot like karma to me, but I wanted to be kind because I knew that what was driving it was was anxiety on her part because her her husband and her son weren't really concerned about, about God's favor and God's blessing. And so she was, had a little bit of anxiety about, about taking care of them as well. She was, she's a wonderful person and, and does a lot of good uh, for the church and for the Lord. So I figured out, how, how do I be kind in my reaction to this? And, and so I, I figured out that I could say to her, you know, you know, it's not just about storing up blessing. I think storing up blessing is really not the point. I think the purpose of us Receiving blessing from God is so that it can flow through us to other people. And if we want to really live in the kingdom, if we want to be kingdom kind of people, we have to be the the kind of people where God's blessing flows to us not because it's about us, but because it's about others. And it can flow through us to other people. You know, the, the only people who can be content about being last in line are people who know that there is more than enough. Jesus said, sometimes the last will be first 
and the first will be last. I don't know if you've ever been in, li- in the last in line at a Baptist potluck, but sometimes it cannot be pretty if there isn't enough, right? Um, the deviled eggs go really fast. But sometimes there's more than enough. It's okay to be last in line. I think Jesus is saying to us that the last will be first, the first will be last, is that those who are generous understand that God has more than enough. And we're content in what God gives to us. And that contentment creates in us a generous spirit through which flows God's love, God's grace. You know, when that, when that selfishness begins to break down, that, that self-centeredness that we, we all carry around with us too much, when it starts to break down, then, then it's the, the grace of God that, that begins to fill in the void. And it flows through us in generosity to other people. And that is what the kingdom looks like, Jesus says. When we're not worried about having enough, when we're not thinking in terms of scarcity, when we're not comparing ourselves to others, when we're not worried about, about whether we need more, but when we're more concerned about what we can give for God than we are about what we can gain from him. That's what the kingdom looks like, Jesus says. Several years ago, I was, I was in Canada with a, a group of people from Parker County because we have a church planting partnership in, in Vancouver. And I was driving down the road, and, uh, and we were, were on a busy highway, and we were, were going to a church, and we had to go uh, through a tunnel that went under a river as we were driving along. And so traffic was, was, uh, was busy and Cars were kind of jockeying for position, and, and there was a, an entrance ramp to the side, and, and cars were coming onto the highway. So as we were going down at a very slow rate, this car came up uh, on the entrance ramp, and so I slowed down a little bit and let the car merge in, and one of the, the fellows that was, was in the car with me just started to tell me how he just cannot do that, how much it bothers him to let somebody get in line in front of him that they just don't deserve it. I've been in line, and they don't deserve to get in line. I don't know if any of you drive like that. Don't admit it, please. Um, you know, I, I admit, sometimes I'm on the road, and I, I get frustrated. But he, it just really bothered him. And, and I couldn't help but think of the words of Jesus. Sometimes the last are first, and the first are last. And, and sometimes it takes a deliberate act on our part to say, I want to be a kingdom kind of person. I want that, that love and that grace and that peace that, that God has, has given to me to not just rest inside of me. I want it to, to flow through me and to be as much of a blessing to others as it is a blessing to me. And you see, that's, that's what the kingdom is like, and that's what Thanksgiving really ought to be like. You know, when we get together at Thanksgiving, sometimes we'll ask in a service, you know, what are you thankful for? And we get the basic stuff, right? We get, you know, I'm thankful for my health, or I'm thankful that God's 
taken me through a period of a lack of health, and, and definitely that's a, that's a great blessing. Thankful for my family, thankful for our church, thankful that I have a job, that God's provided for us, all those things. That's, I'm not knocking that at all. But I think that, that that just scratches the surface, doesn't it? Because because Thanksgiving really ought to be about the contentment that we find in Jesus Christ. We, we trust him. We trust him for salvation. We trust in the abundant life that he brings to us. And, and abundance is not just about stuff. It's not just about money or things. It's about the abundance of the peace and joy and hope that he brings to us. Jesus invites us into that abundant life. That's what the kingdom looks like. And we are grateful for that. And we are content in that. But we don't stop there. That contentment breeds within us a a generosity that mirrors the heart of God himself. And we begin to live with a generous spirit so that those around us can see and know what it looks like for Jesus to be king. I don't know where you are today in your spiritual life, and your spiritual walk. Maybe you've never met the Jesus I'm talking about, and you would want to know about that grace and that hope and that love that I've described, and you could do that today. Or maybe God is is speaking to you about contentment and gratitude. And maybe that, that's the point in your life that where you need to work and, and where you're at is that God needs to help you become more of a contented kingdom person and you could do that today. Or maybe, maybe the blessing has been stopping with you and you would say today, I want to be more of a, of a channel of that goodness that God has given to me and I want God to show it to others through me. I want them to see what it looks like for Jesus to be king in my life through that, that generous spirit. Would you do that today? We're going to sing a hymn of commitment here in a moment. And Hal's going to lead us. And, and after I pray, we'll sing. If God's speaking to your heart, then, then you respond to him. You can pray where you are. You can pray here at the front. You can come. I'll pray with you here. But let God speak to your heart today. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's a person who is content, who learns to be generous, to demonstrate what it means for him to be king.